Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend uh, and a great way to get the week started. A day late. I'm a little confused. It is Tuesday. Uh, but to help me remember that it's Tuesday, Matt Modica is here uh, because it is, of course, Tuesdays with Modica. Uh, Matt, uh, how's your weekend? Uh, I am doing good, Al. Did I lose you? Nope, I'm here. Oh, okay. I thought I lost you for a second. Uh, I'm doing good. I hope you had a good uh, holiday weekend. Uh, no, I had a terrific weekend, so um, I got to watch a little bit more baseball than usual and uh, got to uh, you know, do some things that weren't baseball, which was kind of nice. So a cool. uh, good, 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 relaxing weekend. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot to talk about <laughs> coming off of the long weekend, too. Uh, and, uh, of course, not over the weekend, but just earlier today on Tuesday, word that uh, no Syndergaard's going to the DL retroactive to May 26th. I think that's the farthest they can actually retroactively set a, uh, a DL stint is three days. So uh, he's got at least seven more days on the DL with a strained ligament in his right index finger. So uh, not a great way to get uh, get this week started. Uh, but um, any long-term concern there? I have not seen anything in terms of a timetable. But uh, I'm guessing this should be a short, uh, a short stay. What's your uh, your take on it, Matt? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm gonna hope that it's a short stay. Uh, there's some soreness from what I'm reading and what I've been able to hear. Uh, I don't think it's been determined how severe it is yet. So hopefully they're just using the 10 day DL properly. He misses a start or two, and then he's back. Hopefully that is it. Uh, would you maybe use this as an opportunity to test the market for him if you were a Syndergaard, Syndergaard owner? Uh, you know what? I would look to buy Syndergaard maybe on, on this news. I'd, I'd go the other way and because if you can add an arm like this, I know people are saying you know, he's not as dominant as they thought. He's still pretty damn good from what he's done <laughs> this year. I mean, the K-9's over 10. The walks per nine are below two. I think the ERA is just above three, and the XFIP is one of the best in the game. So, uh, you know. Well, the, the, you know, the, I, I like the perspective because you're, you know, you're taking the opportunity where he is on the DL, and the fact that some owners, and I'll admit, as a Cinderard owner, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed, not to the point where it's actionable. I don't think. I mean, okay, if you were in my league where I have Cinderard. Uh, I you know I would still want full value for him, but maybe there's another owner who's who's more frustrated than I am. I think it's it's worth a shot. Uh, I just saw him at a uh, 
note come across my Twitter feed here. I was going to get to this sooner or later, so I guess we'll get to this sooner. Uh, from Mark Gonzalez of the uh, Chicago Tribune, Cubs beat writer, uh, just tweeted out, baseball source confirms that Anthony Rizzo should have been charged with interference. Both teams informed of the review, and then he's got a, a story coming up shortly on that. So, I mean, that to me, I don't know. This, you know, this was obviously very controversial on social media. To me, it was a cut and dried case of interference uh, where he went went out of the lane. Uh, you know, so I don't know. You view it that way, or yeah, maybe this is you know Yanni and Laurel all over again, and this looks different <laughs> to different people. But to me, it was it was clearly interference. I hadn't seen it yesterday. I made it a point to see it today. And it looks like he's going out of his way to interfere with the catcher. I am personally, maybe I'm old school, maybe I'm a caveman, but I don't like this uh, rule. I think it's it's an ad, it's too much advantageous for the catcher. I'm surprised a player hasn't gotten hurt yet, either sliding, you know, uh, feet first or head first. And back in the day, if you know how to correct the plate properly, you can avoid a lot of hits. And I saw Mike Sosha do it throughout his career and stuff like that growing up watching 80s baseball. Look, if it wasn't Buster Posey taking that severe injury, I don't think that rule would have ever been in place. Uh, I suppose. I mean, if not that, maybe, you know, something that else that could have happened, you know, without the rule. I don't, you know, I actually don't really have a problem with the rule. Uh, I, I, you know, get your perspective on it. Uh, I just don't think it's too much to ask the runner to stay in the lane. And, uh, you know, it certainly looked, you know, to me, it did look like Rizzo. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think he, you know. It did look like it. He, he, he didn't I'll, need I'll to do that. that. Yeah. Yes. I agree. <laughs> but, uh, well, the good news for uh, Elias Diaz, who who took that hit, um, he's in the lineup for the Pirates uh, today. That that lineup just came out a little bit before we uh, going on in, on air here. So he's uh, catching for the Pirates, batting seventh. And partly that's also because um, Francisco Cervelli is still out uh, with uh, some sort of illness. So uh, hopefully Cervelli will be back in the lineup soon for the Pirates. And uh, it just uh, we'll, we'll get back to the uh, lineups and, and weather in a, in a short while here. But since that was uh, relevant to the, the whole Rizzo situation, uh, we do have a couple of other DL situations here over the weekend. Uh, Ronald Acuna went on the DL. He's... Fortunately, again, this is one of these situations, bad news, he got injured, looked really bad, went on the DL. Good news is it's not as bad as maybe we all feared it was going to be. He's got a mild ACL sprain and may possibly return within two weeks, according to MLB.com. So that's a heck of a lot better than I was expecting to hear. Yeah, I I mean, there was no way I was starting him in, in, in a weekly league, and I was fearing that it was much worse. But, I mean, I went out Sunday night and got Preston Tucker in, say, leagues that I had a cool or even leagues I didn't have him. I thought it would be at least a, kind of a two-week thing. But, you know, I guess nobody else really wanted him. I, I, I mean, there were small bids, but they were uncontested. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, like I said, fortunately, uh, you know, hopefully uh, everybody, you know, did sit him this week. I, I think that was, you know, the obvious thing to do. I, I think that was a good move on your part also to pick up Tucker because he'll have some some value for at least a couple of weeks now. But uh, I think better news than we could have realistically oh, expected. Oh, yeah, probably best we could have hoped. Uh, but, you know, that said, the way that it was phrased in that MLB.com report, it sounded very tentative to me 
uh, that he may return in two weeks. So uh, not out of the woods yet by any means, but, mm-hmm. you know, at least that's, that's a possibility. Uh, Adam Adovino went on the DL, I believe that was on Monday, almost said Sunday. So again, I've got to calibrate my week here uh, on Monday with a left oblique strain. I've also not seen anything of, in terms of a timetable for our Adovino. He's having just a spectacular season. So even though he's not the closer in Colorado, he's somebody who really you know has quite a bit of value just on the basis of, of strikeouts and ratio. So for a non-closer, that's a pretty big hit. No, without a doubt. I mean, uh, he's been up there with Josh Hader as far as uh... – Strikeout percentage on the season. I mean, Hader is the GOAT. But, I mean, Adovino's <laughs> done very well for himself, too. He, he certainly has. And uh, talked about him on the show two, three weeks ago because of a great piece uh, that if you didn't mm-hmm. check it out, go back and check it out by Travis Sawchick. That was on Fangraphs about what Adovino did in the off season to just completely rework uh rework his approach uh, that's obviously paid dividends up to this point. Uh, really, really interesting piece. Uh, Matt, do you have any shares of Shane Bieber as of right now? I have none, but I'm uh, very interested to see this start. I can believe what, Thursday? It's Thursday at the Twins' is Major League debut. It is a spot start, but uh, this is one of the more uh, – you know, eagerly anticipated p- pitching debuts uh, so far this season. So yeah, I think he had a sixty-one to three strikeout to walk ratio. Or Sounds about right. I know it's something to three uh, with yeah, a very <laughs> high number on the other end. <laughs> and I've I've been reading the comparisons between him and Kluber, so that that obviously uh, you know helps uh, raise the excitement level a little bit. Uh, I did pick him up, uh, and I didn't know. I, I suspect it was a possibility. I didn't know he was going to get called up this week. Uh, but I did pick him up in Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I believe, for zero dollars. So I, 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 I'm always the the person on the other end who sees, you know, somebody picking up some big prospect for nothing or next to nothing, and think, oh wow, wish I had thought to do that. So <laughs> this mm-hmm. time I did it. I'm glad I did. Uh, like I said, it's a spot start, but uh, you know, obviously a a, a great uh, minor league resume for uh, for Bieber. Not uh, necessarily going to be a great strikeout pitcher, although I'm reminded of Aaron Nola, Matt, because when Nola first came up, I had no interest in him, even though he was a really highly regarded pitching prospect because he didn't have good strikeout rates in the minors. And obviously he rectified that in a hurry at the major league level. So I don't worry about that so much, uh, you know, when you've got somebody who's, uh, you know, uh, drawing review reviews from scouts and, and moving up quickly. And he, you know, it's not like he's not without some elite skills. He's got great control. So, uh, you know, they, the strikeouts, maybe they'll come. Yeah, no, I hope it's like a spot start. And they say they're going to send him down so I can pick him up for nothing uh, Sunday night <laughs> if he's good. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, your window probably hasn't closed to do that. So that's a, that's an excellent point. And some uh, other uh, prospect-related news, uh, good news, Nick Senzel uh, is going back to AAA Louisville. He has missed uh, several weeks with uh, the vertigo issue. Uh, actually, when Trent Rosecrans was on the show about a week and a half ago, I think, uh, we discussed that. So, And it was actually uh, Trent Rosecrans that uh, broke this story. So Senzel uh, back in AAA, good news for him, and obviously uh, no ETA, ETA yet in terms of when the Reds might call him up. I'm sure they just want to make sure he's okay and fine uh, there in AAA. 
Carlos Martinez uh, is expected to pitch a uh, rehab start this week, and that may enable him to rejoin the Cardinals rotation next week. And of course, we got Alex Reyes coming up before that. So I uh, probably talked about this last week too, Matt, but it's worth revisiting. Uh, how do you see the Cardinals rotation shaking out with the additions of Reyes and Martinez? I mean, I really don't think they'll go to a six-man. I mean, maybe they'll do it for, like, one one go-around, just the initial. But I think they want to keep everybody on. I, look, I think pitchers are creatures of habit. They like that every fifth day. I still – I got to think Luke Weaver – I mean, it's pretty much between Weaver or Flaherty and how yep. they want to go that route. I, I know Flaherty definitely has the option. I mean, do you want to put one of these guys in the pen? Do you want to send them back down to the minors and just keep keep their routine going? But it's definitely between those two, and I think Weaver at this point has the most uh, concern. I think so, too. I think uh, maybe I should do a poll just to confirm this, but I would suspect that uh, fancy owners overwhelmingly would want uh, Weaver to be the odd man out of the rotation. And you know, in the past, it's not like the Cardinals have been averse to putting their young pitchers in the bullpen. So it doesn't strike me as that uh, outlandish uh, a move for them. Or, yeah, or, you know, no, and it's, it's not bad for the young. When I grew up, you know, this is what they did. You know, they went to the bullpen. I remember Adam mm-hmm. Wainwright pitching out of the bullpen, unfortunately, and what he was able to do, uh, you know, against the Mets. So. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, so, well, time will tell, but uh, we won't probably have to wait too long to see how that's going to play out. And Weaver, not, thing- not a great start on Monday either. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I will say is, you know, everybody's like, what are they going to do? You never have enough pitching. It's, you know, we're only two months into the season. It's May 29th today. It's not what, March 29th. Somebody's going to get an injury. You know, something's going to happen. So, you know, having six guys that can take that ball is is a real advantageous thing for the Cardinals. Oh, it, it definitely is. So, uh, you know, unofficial motto of the show, things work themselves out. <laughs> so one way or another, it will for Very the Cardinals. Uh, Josh Donaldson had to leave uh, Monday's game uh, early with a calf injury. He doesn't believe that uh, the injury is uh, serious uh, and uh, expects to get a day off today. Uh, but uh, day-to-day in any event for uh, Josh Donaldson. According I don't to believe MLB. Josh Donaldson. Yeah, and I'm getting to the point where I, you know, <laughs> it's nothing personal against Josh Donaldson. I'm just increasingly skeptical of including with the Acuna thing, you know, that uh, the, you know, that the, the injuries are as not serious as players say they are. Yeah. And injury optimism is a dangerous thing. <laughs> it, it certainly is. And I've, I've been burned by that optimism. So I'm a slow learner, but, but, but learning, uh, I guess at my own pace with that, uh, Brian McCann is injured. He is going on the DL with a sore right knee. Uh, Tim Federoch. Blast from the past, uh, getting called up by the Astros. So Max Stacy gonna uh, be elevated at least temporarily to the top of the uh, catching depth chart for the Astros. He currently ranks third in exit velocity in the majors on fly balls and live drives uh, for all hitters with uh, 50 or more batted balls. I wrote about him for a piece this morning. That's on fan tracks that I'll come back to a little bit later because it just. Uh, some of his supporting stats really look good. Uh, so really uh, an option to uh, to look at if you need some catching help. Uh, Max Stacy, at least over the next uh, couple weeks, should get a lot of playing time. 
Reese Hoskins. I saw the home run he hit on Sunday off Trevor mm-hmm. Bauer, and that was that was a shot, I and mean, he smoked it. And he had good power in the minors. I mean, he really has been a, a bit of a late bloomer at the major league level. So you know, he'll he'll get a chance. Like I said, short term, but uh, you know, given the opportunity, I, I have to wonder too what that might turn into uh, over the course of the season. Uh, I was just going to mention before, Reese Hoskins uh, got a, uh, a foul tip off uh, of his mouth yesterday, got a big cut on his lip. Gabe Kapler says he's not concerned. Do we believe Gabe, Gabe Kapler? I didn't see it, but, I mean, you know, unless there's something, you know, unless there's really something with his jaw that's painful, I, I got to tend to believe it's nothing too serious, maybe a little pain tolerance thing right now. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, real quick on the weather and lineups as we're about to head into our first break here. The only game you really need to watch is the Braves hosting the Mets. Uh, that's supposed to be Anibal Sanchez and Stephen Matz. About a 50% chance of precipitation at game time, holding steady for a few hours. So that's one to watch. I guess the lineups, we'll uh, take a look back later. Maybe we'll get a few more of them in over the break. We've got some Mariners updates and stand-up performances from Memorial Day all coming up right after this break. Crazy. Hey, you, over here, you want to win a DFS? And you want it for just $1? I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. Not one, not two, but three subscribers have won a million dollars, too. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners, too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You got to go to DailyRoto.com and enter code $1. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's DailyRoto.com, code $1. That's it, one. One dollar, one month, and start winning. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier. Joining me for the show today, because it is Tuesdays with Modica, none other than Matt Modica. And uh, we're going to get to the rest of the news, a few lineups that are already out, uh, some standout performances. We're also going to take a look a little bit later on at the slate tonight, some really interesting pitching matchups that we'll break down. Uh, Also, do you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game? If so, go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. There you will find a link to a free DFS fantasy baseball contest every day. The uh, contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, that's nearly 14,000 each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help and also play in a free DFS contest with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Just go to dailyroto.com 
slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. So, uh, Matt, like I said, right before the break, a uh, couple of Mariners updates. Uh, Scott Service says that Gene Segura should be fine to start tonight. Uh, so that's uh, going to be a, a help to the Mariners. Uh, that report coming from MLB.com. And according to the Seattle Times, Mariners will also likely get D Gordon back on Thursday. So uh, by the weekend, uh, should have pretty much the, the full complement there. Uh, so... Uh, Former Mariner Brad Miller was hit in the eye while uh, taking some swings in the batting cage this weekend. He is day-to-day, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. According to Masson, uh, Daniel Murphy could be activated fairly soon. I don't know what that means, so <laughs> fairly soon. <laughs> He's not a rehab assignment. He's getting at bats. Uh, so uh, the Nats are particularly concerned about... Uh, making sure that he feels good when he runs. But um, I, I, I uh, rolled with Wilmer Defoe for another week in uh, the Scott White Dynasty League. So, you know, if you're a Daniel Murphy fan, you're certainly hoping soon means very soon. I'm hoping maybe he can wait till next week. But uh, <laughs> we'll keep tabs on that one. And a couple of uh, closer notes here, reliever notes. Um, Felipe Vasquez uh, got... Uh, Hurt over the weekend, felt some uh, forearm uh, soreness and had to leave uh, an outing early. It hadn't been going well for him anyway. He did throw yesterday, and according to MLB.com, Vasquez, go- Vasquez is going to be reevaluated today. So it sounds, Matt, like we're kind of in a limbo state here where initially it sounded really bad for Vasquez. Then another situation where the player says, No, 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 I'm good. Uh, there was a, a tweet that came out very, or actually it was the next morning. Uh, I believe it was yesterday morning. Vasquez came out and said, no, no, I'm fine. I'll be good to throw. I'll be good to, to pl- uh, pitch in the game on Tuesday. And now it sounds like maybe not. So um, how concerned are you about Felipe Vasquez? And how aggressively are you pursuing uh, a handcuff there in Pittsburgh? I mean, I'm mildly concerned. I think maybe it's just best give him a few days off and then see, you know, if you want to be in it for the long haul. As far as uh, prospecting on it, I mean, is it – I don't really know. Is it Edgar Santana? I know Rich Rodriguez has pitched really well. Uh, I believe it was Feliz who's got – he got he did pitch well up until last week, and he got – Right. He had like three outings where it did not go well for him. So I'm personally this week in Fab. I didn't go after these pirate guys. Jared Hughes, to me, seemed like a waste of time. And in Toronto, I mean, Tepper seems like the guy, but is it really going to end up being O or does Ozuna come back? So I've stayed away from those situations. Yeah, I did uh, put a bid on, on Rodriguez, and that, that's very confusing to me, uh, especially as a Michigan guy, that there's another Rich Rod out there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it does seem like Santana's the, the consensus pick as a potential replacement. And again, it's not even clear there's going to be a replacement. Um, we should know maybe later today uh, what Vasquez's status is. But I just like Rodriguez because I figure even if he's not getting saves, he's getting a ton of strikeouts and and will have some value and, and might get saves in any, any event. But um, the one situation where I really did uh, spend a bit of money was with the Rays. And I got Chaz Rowe and Tout Wars for 64 bucks. 
And yet that paled a comparison to the bidding on uh, Jose Alvarado. And yet uh, since uh, that was uh, Sunday, uh, when the, those uh, fab uh, uh, fab bids were, were uh, run in various leagues, since then we've had a uh, an Austin Pruitt five-plus inning save. And then <laughs> yesterday we had a Johnny Venters one-out save. But again, it was a situational thing where Alvarado had already been used. Uh, I think it was Matt Olson. Is that right? It was against the A's. I think it was uh, he came in to face Matt Olson. And Venters got his first save since August 22nd of 2011. So I was actually rooting against Johnny Venters. So maybe Chaz Rowe would come in. But, you know, that's that's the thing that fantasy does to well, us. You, you can't root against Johnny Venters. I, mean, <laughs> I, I did. What that guy's gone through. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing that he's actually back in the game. Oh, it's totally amazing. So, uh, you know, once I got over myself, uh, I was very glad to see uh, Johnny Venters get the save. The other thing that occurred to me, Matt, is like Johnny Venters, like that would be a great nickname for somebody who complains a lot. Like, uh, there's Johnny <laughs> Venters venting again. So, so now let me ask you the question. Did you bid on Chazro because you you felt, what's his name, was just going to be too much money and you don't want to be that invested? Or do you think no, not at all. Not at all. And actually, a day before the bidding, so this would have been on Saturday, uh, so the day after Colome was traded. I don't think we've even been on the air since the Colome trade. Um, I, I, I went on Twitter and said, I prefer Alvarado. He's just the better pitcher. But then on Saturday night, the Rays had a four-run lead in the ninth inning, and they used Rowe. So I thought, well, I like Alvarado. But Rowe looks like maybe the guy that Cash is going to go to. And in any of I bid on both of them, but I bid more on Rowe because I thought it would take more to win him. And um, yeah, it turned out to, that Alvarado went for like three and a half times as much. So I guess other people well, were that, agreeing. It might work out really well for you if Rowe is the guy. I hope so. I mean, what I guess the lesson of this weekend. It, you know, and probably should have been the lesson for me before I even laid down a bid was that Kevin Cash does things unconventionally and there may not be a, a consistent closer. I mean, there was with Colome, but they clearly were trying to build his, his value, I think. And, uh, you know, you could have Sergio Romo starting two games in a row and then the next night, you know, closing a game for all I know. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think I might have overspent a little bit for Roe, but, uh, you know, he and Alvarado, I think, are pretty close in terms of quality. And with Roe being a righty, maybe he does get a little bit more of a of a crack at it. But like I said, so far we've yeah, got two saves. I can see saves. that being, being like a timeshare uh, closure kind of thing where it's matchup-based for the most part or who's ever freshest. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, you know... In terms of other closer lessons here, the last couple of years, I've I've spent very little generally on closers. Uh, although I did uh, splurge on Kenley Jansen in Tout Wars this year, but really, other than that, uh, for the last two two years of drafts, I've not spent very much on closers at all. Uh, kind of maybe overreacting to past years where. I wouldn't say that I spent a lot, but I felt like I didn't get good return because there's so much turnover and, and instability. And I think I got to find a third way here because it's just, 
it's too hard, especially maybe with the changing landscape and more managers not going with a consistent closer. It's it's just too difficult to to, to speculate on somebody and and get those consistent saves. Yeah, no, I think you gotta you know even guys like Iglesias uh, and like a basket. You have to get these guys, ride them out for as long as possible. Because what's going to happen after the All-Star break is you're going to be able to get some closers. They're going to become available. People are going to be either be out of money or their team isn't good. Opportunity will pre- exist later on. I thought in a couple of leagues, I went after Kenley Jansen. I thought he was super safe. April was horrible, March, April. But in May, he seems to have corrected himself, and he's mm-hmm. put some nice outings together. You know, uh, so it seems like he's made that adjustment, whether it was health or, you know, something with his delivery. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's you know, it seems to be working out for Jansen. I don't really regret uh, getting him. Uh, you know, it seems like the, the league where I'm ha- the leagues where I'm happiest with my uh, closer situation are ones where I sort of reluctantly took closers I didn't trust, like Kelvin Herrera. Well, I really didn't want to think part of, but but you know I got him late and cheap. Uh, same thing with Fernando Rodney. Uh, I wouldn't say I was reluctant in getting Wade Davis in one of my leagues, but you know didn't feel entirely safe to me. And obviously, you know Rodney makes it an adventure, but I don't really have complaints about any of those guys. And I think, you know, maybe again, the kind of the middle route is don't completely ignore closers. Don't go bananas on spending, but, you know, maybe get at least one guy that you figure is solid and then, you know, get maybe uh, uh, speculate on a, on a couple who are going to start the year with a job uh, and maybe have some risk because, you know, there's a good chance it won't work out, but there's some chance it will. And then you're not stuck, you you know, trolling on on waivers and fab trying to, you know, fill fill the holes that you left yourself on draft day. I don't know. Yeah, like if you had, yeah, if you had like a bread hand and a Kelvin Herrera, Herrera was a guy I liked for cheap. You know, even if it was only for a half a season, you still could bank those half a season worth of saves and go from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh but just to take a little detour, I didn't really mean to bring this up on the show, but, you know, since you talk about Herrera and the fact that he's very likely to be traded, what do you think about Jason Adam as a speculation target? He pitched the eighth uh, the other night. Uh, he's only been up a short while, but, you know, sort of like with Sir, Na- Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jace Fry, uh, you know, some some good results for the most part. Uh He's given up a few homers, which isn't great, but, you know, he's got some strikeout stuff. And that's not something you really see in the rest of the uh, the Royals' bullpen. Yeah, I don't really – anybody's a possibility after him. I'm really not sure right now. Um, I mean, you have to at some point, maybe over this next month, we can see somebody who could possibly be that arm in waiting to take over Herrera. But for now – I'm really not sure. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I, I did. That's just because I did pick up Adam in, in, in one league, a pretty deep league. But, uh, yeah, there's there's time. There's certainly time. Uh, well, let's uh, – oh, I almost forgot about lineups. Let's see. Uh, if there, Yeah, actually a few have come in. Uh, but uh, we got the White Sox Indians at 610 Eastern in Cleveland. That's uh, Giolito and Clevenger. Uh, Matt Davidson, of course, on the DL. So you got Matt Skoll DHing, uh, finally reaching the majors. So that's pretty cool. And uh, 
we got the Pirates and Cubs. No Cubs lineup yet. Uh, Lester and Kingham. We'll talk about that matchup a little bit later on, as I mentioned before. Diaz catching. And also, once again, no Gregory Polanco uh, and uh, no uh, Corey Dickerson either. So you got uh, Marte uh, flanked by Austin Meadows and Sean Rodriguez. Uh, but they're facing the lefty, John Lester, so that's yeah, not does too... make sense. But, yeah. yeah, not too surprising. Uh, Astros, Yankees, Morton and Sabathia. Yankees lineup is in. Greg Bird, again, getting the start at first base. Don't see anything else there. Unusual. And then we've got all the lineups for Nationals, Orioles, Blue Jays, Red Sox. Nationals, Orioles is uh, Helixson and Bundy. Blue Jays and Red Sox is Estrada and Porcello. And uh, the aforementioned Wilmer Defoe in there for the Nationals. Uh, <laughs> Orioles, no um, uh, no Trey Mancini for the Orioles. He is in a bad slump. And so you got Jace Peterson in left. And um, Danny Valencia at third base, uh, where Peterson's been playing a bit, but it's mostly been Valencia there lately. But no uh, Mancini. We'll talk about him shortly. And then just a quick look here, Blue Jays, Red Sox. Red Sox lineup looking normal. Blue Jays lineup. Russell Martin at third base, but, and so no, no uh, Donaldson, but that was pretty much to be expected and otherwise looking uh, pretty normal there. So uh, gets us caught up for the time being. But uh, well, we already talked about Anthony Rizzo uh, for, you know, not the, reasons probably we'd like to be talking about Anthony Rizzo, but he did go three for four against uh, Pittsburgh on Memorial Day uh, with his seventh home run of the season, also reached a fourth time via the walk, and he's quietly building a 10-game hitting streak where he's 13 for 39. That's a 333 average. The home run is his first in that 10-game span. He does have three doubles, so at least Rizzo's starting to build up the, the, the average, but the power's not really been there Maybe the home run's the start of something good, but uh, you you concerned about Anthony Rizzo? I mean, I think at the end of the season, those kind of numbers are going to be there. We still got what four months to play. It's it's not like he's got one homer, so I, I think he's got the time. And these guys these guys are streaky too. They're going to go on their runs. Maybe he doesn't hit thirty two homers, and maybe he hits twenty eight to end the season. But I think he gets like 90, 90. You know, maybe it's not that 32, one, 100 plus in uh, runs in RBIs. And, you know, 28, 90, 90. It's still going to be pretty good. I mean, I, I think it's I think this, he's too good a player. And we've seen it in the past. We see these guys that have gotten hot after June 1st. I mean, there's some of the guys that have killed it for the first two months that are going to slow down. That's just the way it goes. It is. That is. So, yeah, Rizzo has plenty of time. Uh, you know, as of right now, it looks like he'd be in the low 20s in terms of homers, but wouldn't take a whole lot to get him closer to 30. Uh, Matt Carpenter also belatedly getting hot, but he's been really hot. Uh, he went two for four on Monday, hit his sixth homer of the season against the Brewers. Last 12 games, he's 20 for 49 with three homers and nine doubles. So you're getting the batting average and the power back from Matt Carpenter. Uh, so some good news there for him. And uh, real quick here, just a few uh, or actually a couple of disappointing performances. I mentioned Trey Mancini out of the lineup today, takes an 0 for on Memorial Day against the Nationals. He's in a 1-for-17 slump. And Marvin Gonzalez, 
Uh, did go two for four, so a good performance for him. That includes a double, but he's still just batting two twenty one. Uh, would you want to buy low on either of those guys, Marwin Gonzalez or Trey Mancini? Uh, maybe more Mancini. I was not really a big Marwin Gonzalez guy. I think he had a career year last year. All right, well, he's a long, long way from that so far this year. We'll uh, touch back on these guys in a little bit. we got to head to break, but we'll come back. We'll also look at some standout pitchers for Memorial Day and look at the pitchers from the day after Memorial today, Memorial Day tonight. Anyways, all that coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier. And, yep, it is Tuesdays with Modica. So, Matt Modica is here. Uh, he's been with us the whole show. He's going to help me break down some performances from Monday and take a look at some of the matchups on Tuesday. And uh, speaking of the Daily Slate, uh, we're going to look at it maybe more from a daily lineup league. But if you play DFS and you haven't tried playing MyBookie.ag player props, well, then you're missing out. Their player props tool allows you to avoid sharks winning 90% of the money in DFS. Invest in the players you want without salary caps. And forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Go to mybookie.ag and open a new account and enter the promo code FNTSY and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. Off of a player... Let's say uh, Aaron Judge uh, hitting at Yankee Stadium. Uh, he'll be chalk at DFS, be 80% owned in tournaments because everybody thinks the play is obvious. Don't be a loser and eat DFS chalk. Be a winner and play the mybookie.ag player prop. Plus, you can access the one sport not yet touched by DFS, the sport of kings, horse racing. So it's simple. First, go to mybookie.ag, open an account. Second, enter the promo code FNTSY and receive your 50% deposit bonus. And third, and finally, click the player props tool, choose your player prop, and collect your winnings. That's mybookie.ag. Enter the promo code FNTSY. Uh, So right before break, Matt, we were talking about a couple of hitters uh, who have struggled this year, uh, Trey Mancini and Marwin Gonzalez. I got uh, uh, an interesting tweet uh, regarding Mancini earlier today, and it, it it stuck in my mind because it involved another player, Mac, Max Muncy, who I wrote about uh, in that Fantrax piece that I described earlier, wrote about two Maxes, wrote about Max Muncy and Max Stacy, a couple of other players too, uh, Francisco Cervelli, and uh, absolutely blanking on uh, the other player I included. But Oh, um, Nico Gudrum. All four of them Nico. are hitting... You like Nico? I like him. I think a deep league. I think he's got some. Uh, he's got. He's useful. Multiple. Yeah. Well, the well. thing that the four players have in common is that they're doing really well in a stat that you can find on xstats.org. Uh, that's um, high drive percentage, which is basically of all the airborne balls, fly balls, pop ups, lo- uh, low drives. 
uh, high drives are the ones that correlate with the, the best production. And Max Muncy ranks fourth <laughs> in that stat behind J.D. Martinez, Joey Gallo, and I think I would say Aaron Judge, somebody else very studly. Uh, so Max Muncy is number four there. And so anyways, get back to Trey Mancini. So somebody asked me, uh, would I drop Trey Mancini to get Max Muncy? And, you know, like a 14-team league, that'd be a tough call for me because I still think Mancini's going to come around. Um, but I do think that Muncy is looking pretty legit. I mean, he's not just, you know, making kind of good contact. He's making, granted, in a small sample but he's making, you know, elite level contact. I know. I mean, I'll say this: the home runs I've seen uh, him hit have been tremendous shots. He does not get cheated when the ball leaves the yard. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, the guy that uh, you know was kind of up and down with the A's for a while, uh, but really, you know, hitting his stride with the Dodgers. But uh, in, a, in a shallow league, without a doubt, I would uh, drop drop Mancini. I had Mancini in my ten teamer, dropped him about two weeks ago. Because uh, I just don't, you know, his ceiling is such that in a 10 or a 12 team league, I feel like even if he came back, I wouldn't miss him that much. But you get to 14, 15 team mixed league. And I would like to add Muncy, but I don't think I would do it by dropping Trey Mancini. So that's. Yeah, well, I think I think that's smokers. I mean, Mancini, I think he's going to have the playing time. I think he's getting a mental break here. As for Muncy, he doesn't have that guaranteed playing time. No, he's getting it now, obviously, because he's hitting. But that's you know that's a good point. I mean, there's there's risk there, uh, and not just performance, like you say, in terms of playing time longer term. Uh, we had some interesting pitching performances on Memorial Day. We had a, a good duel between Chris Archer and Trevor Cahill. Neither one gave up a run for Archer. It was in six innings. Cahill eight innings. Um, Archer actually, I think, was a little dismayed that he only was in the game for six innings. But Kevin Cash. Uh, reportedly was a little concerned about his command starting to erode a little bit. And so he you know, just decided to basically let Archer quit while he was ahead. Uh, but you know, Archer has turned things around the last few starts. Uh, Vince Velasquez, uh, we've talked about him, Matt. Another good start for him. Basically, every start in May has been pretty good for Vince Velasquez. Uh, two runs and five and two-thirds on three hits and only two walks. That's good to see for Velasquez. And six Ks uh, and against the Dodgers. He's now got a 2.30 ERA and five starts he's made in the month of May, and none of them, uh, in none of those five starts, Velasquez has earned uh, or has given up uh, more than three earned runs. So, some some consistency, if you can believe it, from Vince Velasquez. Yeah, no, he's had a nice month. Would you say 2.30? I think Archer is yep. like around 2.32 for the month of May. Archer does have still have control issues. Uh, probably I didn't see the game, but probably wise that uh, Cash took him out if if the control was starting to erode, because uh, the last like three starts he has been kind of wild. I, I mean, maybe it's a thing where he's trying to be a little too fine, especially with this team where he knows he has to kind of be perfect. So that could be an issue here. Archer for me is a guy that I'd be willing to take a shot on here. If, if, if I went out to his owner and tried to get him, I mean, rest of the season, one, I don't see him staying on, staying with the Rays. I think at some point they're going to move on and try to get some value here. His contract is very team-friendly. 
So it's not like a team is just getting a rental. that they can get a nice return. So he's somebody I would be willing to go out there and, you know, for the next four months would want to want to own. Yeah, and I, I feel good about Archer. And just as recently as I think it was two weeks ago, I, I sat Archer. Uh, but I, you know, I was concerned enough. He was just starting to improve, but wasn't sure if that was just a, a peak in a, a season of peaks and valleys, but he, he seems to be building some consistency. Um, now, somebody else who's been pretty consistently good is Matt Boyd. And I have to say, Matt, when I, I went for this, uh, you know, for this discussion I knew we were going to have, I went and looked up Matt Boyd's ownership rates because I had a sense he was underowned. When I saw what his rates were, I was shocked. <laughs> He's way more underowned than I even expected. Uh, he had a good start against the Angels. That's always a tough assignment now. Uh, five scoreless innings, uh, two hits, three walks, and four strikeouts. And bear in mind, it was really hot at Comarca Park yesterday. So uh, he had run up his pitch count a bit. They got him out of there. Uh, Nico Gudrum had to leave that game early because of uh, heat exhaustion. So don't be scared off by the fact that Matt Boyd only pitched five innings in that game. He is 38% owned on CBS and 15% owned in ESPN leagues. He's, I don't know. I, I can't imagine there's a, in my opinion, that there's a player who is more under owned than that. Yeah, look, I think here's the problem, Al. I, I've this is a guy that I pretty much in the 29th and 30th rounds of my drafts, the ones I do, we we do 30 rounds. He was a guy I took a lot. I, I I've had a lot of him. I got I dropped him in a couple of spots, you know, playing the playing the long game. I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I thought things would would turn for the worst for him, and I wasn't crazy about the start that he had, even with a two step. Yesterday versus the Tigers. But, you know, he is getting it done. I I think that's what people have. They have this fear of, you know what, I missed out. And now when I get in, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> I, I do understand that. Um, but, you know, and th- I think to add to that, I think he is building his success in a way that a lot of mm-hmm. fantasy owners don't trust which is that's not so much by getting tons of swings and misses and strikeouts, but just inducing a whole lot of really soft contact. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is he's he's throwing. Last time I looked, I'm not sure if this is accurate or up to date at this point, but last time I looked, he was averaging about two miles an hour less on his fastball, which was not, you know, blazing to start with, mm-hmm. um, and increased the velocity differential between that and his off-speed stuff. So, um, you know, he's really doing it by changing up speeds um, and uh, and uh, location. And, you know, I think uh, people would just rather see him missing bats. Yeah, no, I think that's, look, we, especially this season when the strikeouts are so significant. I mean, you, even guys that, you know, maybe had a, a 7K per nine in the past, they got a, almost a nine or, or, or a strikeout per inning. So... I, I kind of get it, and that's where I kind of see it. I think the person, I think people are worried when they pick him up and put him in, it's going to be that disaster start. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sticking with him. I'm totally sold on on Matt Boyd. I, I do think more people should give him a chance. Uh, it looks like he's able to hold some it's deeper. It's hard to keep to keep you know dismissing him, but yeah. Uh, it seems I didn't look up his numbers, but I would I, I would be willing to bet that Jake Junis is more owned. The Matt Boyd. And he had a yeah, quality start. So. 
he had a quality start. He had a quality the start. He had a little more buzz coming into the season than Boyd. Yeah. Uh, did get the seven Ks in six innings. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit more reliable for the strikeouts, but not, again, a reliable, you know, one of the more reliable strikeout guys. Uh, I think it's somebody who throws strikes, uh, but can get hit hard. And actually, he and um, Marco Gonzalez, who also started yesterday, I think they profile kind of similarly. They've got good home parks. They're both strike throwers. Uh, I think Gonzalez is a little less prone to the hard contact that Junis is, which is why I like Gonzalez better. But Gonzalez had a really nice start uh, against the Rangers, which, granted, that looked like a good matchup. Uh, no earned runs, one unearned run in six and two-thirds. Four Ks, four walks. The walks are unusual for Gonzalez. Uh, he has, uh, over his last seven starts, a 2.07 ERA. So his ERA seemed inflated early in the year. Now it's more in line. Uh, with a 207 ERA over the last seven starts. And during that span, 22% called strikes. So again, he pounds the strike zone uh, and doesn't get that many swings uh, in the zone. So that's a nice combination for him. But again, not necessarily the way people would like to see it where he's getting all these swings and misses. Well, we're talking about Gio Gonzalez here, right? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Actually, no, we're talking about Marco. Oh, okay, Gio had a Marco. nice start yeah. too. Yeah, Marco, like I said, there's things to like and there's things that kind of keep me a little suspect. I mean, you look at the XFIP and stuff and you're like, hey, this guy's got one of the better ones in the league. And I'm an XFIP guy. I think it's more predictive. But the thing, uh, if I can go back real quick to Junis, is I think what Junis has done this year is everything that the, the Chase Anderson hoped he would be is with Jeff Junis. Uh, with uh, Jake Junis, has uh, actually performed to. And so he's he's been a big win for uh, fantasy owners. Yeah, well, I uh, traded him off pretty early this season, and, you know, I'm annoyed now. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he had one really terrible start, uh, but otherwise has been, you know, decent to good. And uh, I, I'm still kind of waiting for the regression to set in. And I hope it does soon so that I don't have to, Doubt myself. Yeah, but see, I, I think what you did with I think what you did with Junis is kind of like what I was trying to do with Boyd and get out ahead of the uh, uh, curve. But yeah. you know, sometimes you get burned by it. You know, it, it's you know, you, sometimes the the numbers tell you a lot, but you got to watch performances too. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, the, yeah, that's where you, you find out the uh, you know the unusual stuff that doesn't show up uh, in, in the box scores. Uh, so I'm still looking for that nugget for Jake Junis. So maybe I'll find it eventually. Uh, well, uh, with the time we got left here, Matt, let's take a look at uh, tonight's slate because I think there's a whole bunch of interesting and kind of difficult matchups to to weigh as you make your uh, daily lineup decisions and a whole bunch of, of uh, matchups of promising pitchers going against each other. We got John Lester uh, and Nick Kingham, uh, who's back with uh, Ivan Nova on the DL. Um, now, is this a situation? Well, first of all, what's your sort of general philosophy? When you have two pitchers you like, do you just pick one or do you just roll with both of them and, you know, hope you get the win from one and, and good uh, numbers uh, otherwise from the other one? Uh, meaning, like, if, if they're both on my roster that week, am I starting both? Of correct, them? correct. Yeah, no, I'm going to, if they're good pitchers and they're, they're, they're playing each other, I'm just going to hope one of them gets the win and they both perform good. I mean, the one thing with Lester that concerns me is the control is kind of eroded a bit. But I think Lester, when it's all said and done, will get the job done. He'll at least give you back his draft day uh, value 
at the end of the season. The Cubs are the Cubs will be atop that division. I know Milwaukee currently is, but once again, as we go through the season, you know, Lester can at least give you that innings. We know that. And I, I got to say, Kingham, uh, I'm, I, I do want to see this game. I'm intrigued. And I think, the, I think the Pirates need to keep this kid in the – keep him in the rotation. Give him a chance. Yeah, well, it looks like he's going to get that chance. I think it's a, a very well-deserved chance, too, uh, for Nick Kingham. Uh, all right, some other, uh, I think, good pitcher versus pitcher matchups here. Uh, Helixson versus Bundy. Helixson coming off the blister issue. Uh, any concerns with either pitcher going into this one? Well, I mean, look, Helixson's been really good this uh, year. I guess I, we touched on him last week, I believe. Did, uh, yeah. A hell of a lot better than I thought. I mean, a couple of years back, like two years ago, uh, Helixson was like one of those like Matt Boyd types for me where I drafted him late <laughs> in a lot of leagues and rolled him out there, and he was pretty yeah. profitable. So until something changes, I'm going to go with Helixson. The thing with Bundy is, you know, I, I like Bundy. I, I know that start against the Royals was just horrific, and he just didn't have it. And I know you can't do it, but you take that start away. He's got like a 350 ERA in the season. I mean, that's how that's how big it is for him. Yeah, you got to take that into account. That that home run risk is always there with Bundy, especially at home, which this this one is. So, um, yeah, I think that's part of the risk that you take. But the, the strikeout upside is so great that, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about him. Uh, Dan Straley and Tyson Ross, that one might seem like a, maybe a little bit of a matchup, but Straley's been good the last couple of times out, plus, you know, the Padres. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, how do you feel about those two? I, I roll both of these out. Uh, I mean, Tyson Ross looking like comeback player of the year. He had that 127 inning, excuse me, 127, 127 pitch game when he was, when he was going for the no hitter, perfect game. I forget the whole thing. And he really hasn't fallen off. I looked at the velo. I think it was as high as 92 in one of his starts. It was 89.9 in the last one. But, I mean, for the most part, he's been about 90-91-ish. So I'm rolling both out and hope I'm getting a ton of strikeouts. All right. Well, uh, and another pair here, so we're going to maybe running out of room in our rotation. But Jake Arrieta and Kenta Maeda uh, having some success, although in pretty different ways. Arrieta not really getting the strikeouts. Maeda getting them in bunches. Uh, but do you have a preference here? And here it's it's Maeda. I don't want Arrieta in this match. I'm just not a Jake. Look, he was great for a few seasons with the Cubs, but I I don't think he's that guy of years past. Nope, nope. Like I said, you know, success, but in a very different way and a less fantasy-friendly uh, way to be sure. So, well, on that note, Matt, uh, time for me to double-check my daily lineups. Uh, good luck to you, and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks as always, Al. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, my pleasure, Matt. So uh, tune in tomorrow. We'll be right back here, 3 p.m. Eastern. See you then. <laughs>